good for us all to be here. I want to ask you a question. Lay down. Raise your hand if you know who that is. Got one. Andrew's exempt. <laughs> we have two. Two that know who that is. He is Louie Feeder from Gunsmoke. Louis Feeder, his actual name is James Nusser. He was born in 1905 and died in 1979. He was the town drunk on Gunsmoke. Now, he wasn't like Otis in Andy Griffith because you, we laughed at him, at him at, which is another story, laughing at, at the sin that he, he was involved in. But Louis... It, we were Sandra and I were just happened to be watching one night, and it was a they featured Louie in a show, and and I told I I le leaned over to Sandra I said, he's good, I'm convinced, he's a drunk. I mean he's that good at that job. You'd see him under the steps waking up sometime with a bo empty bottle with him, and he was like he's still in a stupor. He was exceptional at that acting job. Um, the problem is he got fired because he drank too much. Uh, matter of fact, the internet said he had a battle with the bottle. Uh, he may have been an alcoholic, I'm not sure. But in the show, it would show him sometime he needed a, he needed to get his, his drink in and Marshall Dillon would, would give him a coin and he'd go buy something. I don't know how much. Or Doc. Doc Adams would go give him a coin and he would go buy some uh, because Doc knew that it, it, the way he was in his stage, he needed it. And uh, Miss Kitty would just give him a drink. Um, that says a lot about Gunsmoke, doesn't it? But old Louie had a problem. Had a problem. That's what I want us to look at this evening, this morning. It's been a couple of years, I think, since we've even mention any of this stuff, but I just thought it would be a good idea to just look at it again. We have somebody going off to college, and people are in school, and people are in the workplace, and people among other places, uh, among people in other places, and I just thought it would be a good idea just to look at some things. So that's what we want to talk about, and I, I went online uh, a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> and I went just ask a question of uh, how many people were in rehab because of drugs or alcohol or something like that. I don't remember exactly how I phrased it. And so I came, I got a rehab site. And they had done a survey of rehab sites from various places all over the country over the course of a four or five year period. And so this is what they came up with. Now these numbers are low because some of the places would not respond because of privacy they didn't want to take any chances. So these numbers are low. But in uh, this was in the latest one I saw anyway from 2004 to 2009. 2.1 million visits to emergency rooms nationwide for drug abuse. 2.1 million emergency room visits because somebody had taken some drugs and it just didn't go well. Which I'll tell you something. 
5,000 emergency room visits every day for drug problems or alcohol problems. 23 and a half million people have an illegal drug abuse or alcohol abuse problem. 23 and a half million, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Or 7.1% of the population has some kind of problem with alcohol and drugs. That's a lot of people. 11.2%, million, uh, get the help that they need. Uh, a lot of them get the help that they need and then turn around and go back and use it again. And need more help. So this is um, pretty uh, good problem significant problem. Emergency room visits for non-medical use of pharmaceuticals. Now that's drugs that a doctor would prescribe. During this course of this survey, it went, it, it, it rose up 117%. 117%. Just the illegal use of pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals with illegal drugs had a 97% increase. Pharmaceuticals with alcohol had a 63% increase. Pharmaceuticals with illegal drugs and alcohol, all three combined, was a 76% increase. That doesn't say too, too, good, too good a thing about the situation that's arising in our country. That this is increasing just way beyond what you would think. Eight through 12th grade, the school age students, all the grade levels show an increase in daily or almost daily marijuana use. All grade levels for three consecutive years they show that the fewer teens are seeing marijuana as being dangerous. Fewer teens disapprove of marijuana use in correlation with the, the, the lack of perceived risk. In other words, they don't see it's any danger. More and more people are saying, okay, it's not dangerous. We'll use it. What does that say about legalizing this drug in our country? That's what's happening. So one in 15 high schools seniors use marijuana daily or near daily and that was the highest rate from that survey in 30 years things just the bad stuff just keeps growing the bad stuff's growing so addiction is everywhere i don't mean in every house but it's everywhere Rehabilitation facilities are in almost every small town, like Columbus, like Starkville, and West Point. There's one in, at least one in each of those cities that are run by the same organization. Um, so it's, it's everywhere, and I don't know uh, about other places in the in the work in the United States, but it's right here. It's right here among us. We see alcohol promotion. You watch a movie, most likely they're going to be drinking. Somehow or another, they're going to do it. 
They really do. Online. You can now order your liquor online and can be delivered. If you live in a big city, you can get it in just a short time. My favorite TV channel is Turner Classic Movies, and they now have the Turner, the TCM Wine Club, which you can order you some wine at a reduced rate, but you have to take some every month. And I, I, th- and I look at that, oh, my favorite channel. Commercials. See it all the time. You watch a sporting event, you're going to see some commercials. You get near the first of the year, the end of the year, they're going to tell you to drink responsibly. Get you a designated driver. And that's just what they do. They want you to use it. They want to act like they want you to drive safely. I guess if you're going to drink, it's best to have somebody that's not. But I'm not recommending it. Using any of those, alcohol or any of those drugs, has some problems. It produces some problems. It produces conflict. I don't know if anybody knew or how many knew, but I had a brother that was an alcoholic. And when he was drinking, he was mean. He really was. He was just mean. It's bad I hate to say that, but that's my own family. And all your, your families may have somebody that uses, I don't know. But there's conflict because of family crisis or family crises occur because somebody uses alcohol or drugs. Believe me, it's so. Broken families. Isn't that sad? People want to do what they want to do. At all costs, we're going to do it. And it costs them family. Lost businesses are lost from the, by owners who cannot control a habit or a, a an addiction. It just happens. Poor grades in school from students who use and abuse. Poor work performance who, for people who just get involved in it and just don't care as much as they did. Just plain old bad judgment is a result. Just bad judgment, just making the wrong decisions. I want us to look at some scripture. And just look at some things in some scripture then. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. This is very familiar. Beginning in verse 29, it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea. Or like one who lies at the top of the masts, saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? The Bible doesn't talk about drug abuse. It does talk about alcohol. And you can get the same effects virtually. But I just want us to just look at a couple things. 
who has woe, sorrow, contentions, complaints, wounds without cause, don't even know you got in a fight. Redness of eyes. Oh, Louie, you look at his eyes. They were, they were pretty bloodshot looking. Those who linger at the wine just imbibe too much. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Don't look at that wine in the commercial when it's red or the or the, the beer or whatever, when it's red and when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls just right. Don't look at it then. Look at what's going to happen. It stings and it bites. You'll see strange things. Your heart will utter perversely. You'll say things you never dreamed you'd ever say. So. It just happens. Be like the one who lies at the top of the massive babe, struck me, but I was not hurt. There was something else wrong. Couldn't feel it. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Always puzzled me. I hear people talking you know, from another place, me not even associated with them, talking about, oh, they had a hard night last night or a couple nights ago, and um, they woke up with a tremendous bad headache, all this kind of stuff, and then they're going to go back and do the same thing tomorrow night. I I don't don't understand that. I just don't get it. If it was so bad, why don't you just quit? I I don't understand that. But that's what happens. I guess it's the quote, unquote, I want you to look at something here. Those who go in search of mixed wine. I don't know if I'd ever really considered that. don't know if I'd ever really thought about that very much. But mixed wine is mentioned in the Old Testament. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. Proverbs 9 is actually talking about wisdom. But she's getting, you know, it's good to have wisdom. But she's mixed her wine. I thought, that's kind of interesting. In Isaiah 5, verse 22, Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Here are men who are, who are boastful in how mighty they and the heroic deeds they've done while they're drinking. But it's all the drink. That's doing the talk. But there's the mixed drink. Um, so I did a little, little looking. Wine was made stronger and more inebriating by the addition of powerful ingredients like honey, I don't know, spices, myrrh, that might ring something to a bell for us at Jesus' death, and some kind of opiates. And I, I don't have any more information on the opiates than just that. So, I mean, I know what opiates today are, but I don't know what they were in New Testament times or Bible times, but they made liquor stronger. It seems as though, from what reading I've done, that the wine in the Old Testament was stronger than wine in the New Testament. They mixed it. And it wasn't until the Greeks or the Romans, and I would, and I don't remember which, but I think it would be have been the Romans who, who 
uh, when they took over that area of the world, their custom was to dilute their wine. And so that's the way it was in the New Testament. The wine in the New Testament was basically diluted. They might have put some up and it fermented, but they would dilute the wine so it would not be uh, the intoxicating type that, that was uh, harmful for people. So that's what we see in the New Testament. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Strong drink is a brawler. Gets you into places and into trouble that you didn't think. Isaiah 5, verses 11 and 12 says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink, who continue until night, till wine inflames them. The harp and the strings, the tambourine and flute, and wine are in their feasts. But they do not regard the work of the Lord, nor consider the operation of his hands. Those who rise early in the morning and follow in intoxicating drink, so that, that's their purpose. Get up early so that they can quote, have fun. Who continue until night. It's an all-day deal. Till wine inflames them. They go to places where the music is lively. And they have no regard for the Lord. He's not in the thought process in any of these places. They have no regard for the Lord nor the operation of his hands. That's no thought. No thought about it. Lord says some things about that. Better go to the house of mourning than the house of mirth. House of joy. So some of the reasons for using alcohol and drugs. They tell me one thing is the exhilaration of it. That they reach that on, on drugs especially on some of the drugs they reach that euphoria. That, that time that they that first time they used it, that, wow, I finally found it. And then they go back to re to use again to get to that place of exhilaration, and it's not there. And so they go back again and say, maybe this time it'll be there, and it's not there. And then they do it over and over and over, and then they're hooked. That's what I've heard. I wouldn't know by experience so it, it leads to a point to a place where we never thought we'd go it strengthens people it gives them they think it strengthens them to do the things they need to do it emboldens them in places they shouldn't go to do things say things and act in such a way they shouldn't they might take it for pain relief alcohol or drugs might be something relieved by fat pain I don't know, just whatever. Or drowning in misery. Maybe somebody you lost a loved one. Uh, and I'll just drink and that'll soften the blow. But guess what? It's not going to soften the blow, but just for a little while. Wrong. Use it as a pick-me-up to get me going in the morning. To fit in at the function. You go to a party. Everybody's drinking, and so well, I got to do it too, so I so they won't think I'm odd.
I haven't seen a good reason for it yet. Have you? Not yet. There, I'm sure there's many others. I quit thinking. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 21, Luke 21, 34, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. That day come on you unexpectedly. Weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life. That's the, the, the cares of this life is an intoxicant in all its own, if you will. And we can get it all in, wrapped in, up in this and we think we got to do what everybody else does and we forget something. That the day is coming. And we don't know when that day's going to be. It comes unexpectedly. And uh, we're not ready when it comes if we're living the life of the world. In Romans 13, 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Interesting. A life of revelry and drunkenness leads to the other things. It, it just does. That verse is all tied up together. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I don't use that word dissipation. I've never, in a conversation with anybody in 70, almost two years, used the word dissipation in a, in a sentence. I just don't do that. Do you? Okay. In 1 Peter 4, we'll get to that. In 1 Peter 4, verse 3 and 4, for we have seen enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, in regard to this, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of them. We use these verses, actually verses 1 through 4, at the Pines, when we know ahead of time that somebody's leaving, and they have come into the Pines to get rid of a substance abuse of some kind. And we read these verses for them, and to them, and you know, talk about, you know, the time's done. You came in here for a reason to get rid of the drugs, and now you've done that, so that's over. So, for us, it's putting on Christ. We've done enough of that in our past lifetime, <coughs> all these things. We walked lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable adulteries, and regard these. We've done enough of that. By the way, just thought just occurred to me. I was talking to a former elder uh, six or seven years ago, and I said something about social drinking. And he said, "I can't tell you that social drinking is wrong." And you ever been swept off your feet by somebody saying something to you? I thought, "Wow, wow." former elder in the Lord's church wasn't sure if social drinking was wrong. 
revelries, drinking parties, etc., etc. I thought to myself, now I understand. Now I understand what happens in churches. Churches of the Lord's people. I understand. Elders reach a point where they reach that office and it seems like they just close their Bible and they're through studying and they can't answer questions like this. It's so simple. Again, I didn't say anything because I was completely bumpos. I was just like, that was so out of left field. I thought, wow. Our conversation was basically finished. And, and I couldn't even think of anything to say. I was just so surprised by what he said. You ever been that way? <laughs> you probably have. That was, um, that was so disappointing, I must say. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, nor covetousness, drunkards, or revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Those things that we just talked about are in these verses. Such were some of you. The idea is you used to do those things, but now that you don't, you don't do that because you're in Christ and you have been set apart. You have been declared guilt, guiltless, if you will, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Such were some of you. Don't do those things anymore. Romans 13, verses 12 through 14. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, nor lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Put all those things off. Put on the armor of light. Put off all that other stuff. Walk properly. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In Colossians 3, verse 11, there's a verse, I'm all in the middle of a, of a thought, or the end of a thought, and I just, I didn't, the, the whole thing is not to me at this moment all important. Where there is neither Jew nor Greek, Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. We know that in Jesus there is no national, no racial differences. There, none of that. None of that stuff matters. But Christ is all in all. We're all the same. I have highlighted there the word Scythian. About twenty-five years ago, I read something about the Scythians. Um, and I think about it every now and then and try to find it and I, I no idea where I read it. just no idea I'll tell you what it is in a minute and so I'd look every now and then 
as I got other resources, and, and never, never could find it. Never could. I, well, about two months ago, I started reading a book about Thermopylae. Anybody know what Thermopylae was? It was a battle. It was a place. When the Persians invaded Greece, so that to give time for the, the Greeks in Sparta and Athens and these other places to get their uh, military ready and their navy ready, uh, the, the Spartans, 300 of them and some ally, a few allies, went to a place called Thermopylae where the Persians had to go through. But they couldn't all go through because this little little bitty army was standing in the way, and it was it was there to stop. But when I started reading about that that book, I don't know why, um, because it's about those times of the, of, of the Bible times, or right before anyway. And so I was reading that book, and I got to page eighty-five, and it's like, <laughs> there it is. I've been looking for it for twenty-five years, and there's a quote, or not a quote, but there's a reference to it of these Scythians right here. Now, let me tell you about Scythians a little bit. They were nomads. They didn't plant fields and crops and all that kind of stuff. They just didn't do that. They had filthy habits of never washing in water being one of them. And that, that just, I, I think about that and I thought, oh, that's, wouldn't want to be close to people. They drank the blood of the first enemy killed in battle. They made napkins of the scalps and made drinking vessels of the skulls. It's pretty grotesque, isn't it? But that's the Scythians. But what made them associated with the barbarians up here, or at least put it comma, Scythian, put in the same sentence, is because they were considered as bad as the barbarians because they did not dilute their wine. That's the quote I've been looking for for 25 years, and I just, boom, it just, it, there it was. So, barbarians, uh, the Scythians, were considered as bad as the barbarians because they, the, the wine that they drank was strong. Uh, they didn't dilute it. I just had to throw that in when I found it. Turn to Genesis 19. Genesis 19, verses 30 through 38. This is the story of Lot. <clears throat> and Lot uh, was in Sodom. And he has gotten out of Sodom. Now let's read verse 30. Then Lot went up to Zoar and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. And he and his two, two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come into us as is the custom of all the earth. Excuse me a minute while I fix my eye. Come let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he did not know uh, when she lay down or when she arose, it happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight, also that you may go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. They made their father drunk, uh, drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. They both, then Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father, the firstborn, bore a son and called his name Moab 
He is the father of the Moabites to this day, and the younger she also bore a son. He called his name Ben-Ami, and he is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. They had escaped Sodom. The angels drugged them, <laughs> dragged them out, if you will. Uh, Lot's wife looked back, and she was turned to stone. His daughters got him drunk. Got him drunk. They had children by their father. The inhibitions were lowered because of that wine. He would never have done that. Remember, he's called righteous. He did something he would never have done if he was sober. He wouldn't do that. Ammon and Moab were born, and that's not good because they were enemies of God's people for the rest of their lives. So why don't instead of being dependent upon some kind of, and I'm not, and I know we in here aren't, but be dependent upon God instead of any kind of uh, drug. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who, uh, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those who labor, those who are weary, those who lose heart, don't take up an intoxicant. Don't do that. Jesus' load is easy. It causes no discomfort. Suffering suffering beneath the burden of sin can be an overload. I'm taking that out of context, but sin is a heavy burden to bear. To bear, put it all on Jesus. We won't. We'll still have to live this life, but we'll have the promise of Him that we'll have eternal life. Proverbs three verses five through eight: Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Depart from evil. Health to your flesh. Strength to your bones. Trust in the Lord, not yourselves. In all your ways acknowledge him. Let him direct your path. Let him show you the way to go. Jeremiah, chapter 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. When we direct our own steps entirely, we always do it wrong. We always do it wrong. We always will, whoever the person might be. The Lord's the only way to direct your paths correctly. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. That when we follow the Lord, walk in the steps of the Lord, God is pleased with us. God delights in the way we live. As I said, I don't think I'm talking to anybody that's under any kind of influence of, of drugs or alcohol right now, but the information... I think it should be talked about every now and then. That's the world. And we're trying to fight all the things of the world.
need to respond to the call of the gospel. I know we haven't talked about what it takes to become a, a, a disciple of Christ, a, a saint, a Christian. But put on him in baptism. Wash those sins away. Or if you need the prayers of the saints who are faithful, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?